Hi, and welcome to Comchurch Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray that it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk that you're about to hear. Well, well, he's your great defender. Isn't it great we don't have to fight our own battles? That's amazing. That's amazing. It's really great to see you in church this morning. We're going to go really short. I just felt last night as we were preparing, I've got a sermon that had been prepared and I just was preparing last night and I thought, you know what, after Sarah and Sarah have spoken so eloquently the last few weeks on the subject of it is well with my soul, that I would bring that series into land with just a little bit of application for our lives. How can we use that information? How can we say it is well with our soul? I mean, Sarah, two weeks ago, my wife, Sarah Richards, Um, She spoke on, um, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. She told us the story of the hymn writer that wrote the words from that amazing hymn and how everything was turmoil around him, yet he was able to stand and say, it is well with my soul. Is it well with your soul this morning? Is it well with your soul this morning? Not all of us feel like we can say that. Is it well with our soul? And then Sarah Payne last week did an amazing message, the challenge that if it's not all about me, if everything in life isn't all about me, then things can be well with our soul. And that challenge came, it's not all about you. Did you feel that challenge last week? I know I did, as she brought that word. You know, it's all about him. If we make the victories and we make the challenges all about Jesus, then things can be well with our soul. And I'm just so excited about carrying this on. Just for a conclusion this morning, is it well with your soul? That's what I want to ask. And first, before we even do that, we have to know what our soul is. What is my soul? What is my soul? You can't MRI scan for your soul, can you? You can't sonogram, can't go and get a sonogram for your soul. You can't see it, you can't touch it. You can't measure it. You can't weigh it. But we all have a soul. I'd even say that there are people here this morning or people around that, that don't have any faith whatsoever. They're not Christians, as we would say. They, they take the Bible and they live their lives by what God's telling them to do. But if they were to do a little bit of self-analysis and they'd look into themselves, they'd say, you know what? There is a soul. I've got, there's something deeper to me. There's something I can't describe. There's that deep place inside each of us. I think, and don't make a doctrine about this, but I think the soul is where our our will lives, where everything that we decide, that, that thing, you know when we have to do something we don't want to do and we feel that feeling inside, it touches a place we can't quite describe very well. What a challenge I've set myself to try and describe what the soul is to you this morning, but it's really hard to describe what it is, but it's that place deep inside, and perhaps your will lives there. Don't make a doctrine about this, but you know, God says that we were created in his image, doesn't he? God says we were created in his image, but I don't know whether that's nose and two eyes and a mouth and like a a strong torso like I have this morning. I don't know if when God said he created 
you in his image, he's talking about that? Or is there a place deep inside each of us where the x-ray stamp of heaven is? That is God's image, that will that we bend. When we give our lives to Christ and we say, I'm going to surrender to you, and we go, God, I'm going to bend my will. I'm going to believe in something I cannot see now. We have to draw on that place that you cannot see, that place that you just know is deep inside. I wonder if that's the stamp that God said when he created us in his image. Often, what is happening around the outside of us What's happening in our lives, what's happening around us, the turmoil surrounding us, if you like, the crazy stuff going on, oftentimes that can be a reflection of what's going on deep down inside in that place we can't describe, but it's called our soul. It's the nebulous, indescript part of you. That place, it's so hard to say anything about. It's so hard to find a description. Even if I took the dictionary definition for you today, it wouldn't describe well enough the soul that we're talking about. How can we treat sickness in our soul? In my soul, how can I treat the sickness? I mean, if you, need, if you have a problem with your physical body, if you have a problem with your arm or with your leg or in your physical body, you can go for a physical, you can go and sit with your doctor, they can look at the outcomes and they can say, well, we can put it right this way. There's a physical to treat your body if there's something wrong, isn't there? If your car goes wrong, you've got an MOT and you can take it for a tune-up and you can tweak the engine and you can replace the tires and there's something that you can do to make your car well again. But what on earth? (laughs) What on earth do we do with the soul? We can't even describe what it is, so how can we begin to treat it? How can we make a soul well? How do we know whether a soul is sick or whether it's healthy? All of these questions blew my mind. What do we do to treat our soul? You know, church, we can come to church. Church is meant to be food for our soul. Church is meant to be food for, um, for us to treat our innermost part. But when we're having challenges, it, can, it beca- can become a burden even. Coming to church can be a burden, yet it's meant to be the food for our soul. Coming to church could be a facade. It's something that you dress the problems deep down inside. We use it to cover up what is taking place in your soul. Have you ever done that? Just walking into church, you put the face on and you go, I'm sure I'm talking to some people. I know you've done it. I know you've done it. But I believe most people, they don't have to have faith. But if they look deep inside, if you're here today and you're not a church member, if you look deep inside, there is that place that hurts in ways you cannot describe. There's that place somewhere, something that's deep inside. I want to ask today, is it well with your soul? The place that I've just tried my best to describe, is it truly well with your soul? I've listened to so many sermons on it is well with my soul over the years. And they always come from the point of challenge. They always come from the point of I'm in the storm or I feel down and I feel sad. I'm low And I have to say it as well with my soul to lift me up. Many of the sermons, that's where they come from. Even Sarah's message, when you started, it began with whatever my lot, no matter what I'm facing. We approach that it is well message from 
being low down, but I actually think that there's how we manage our soul when things are well will determine how our soul operates when we're low. What we're doing with our soul when we think everything's great and then we hit the storm, they make a, it makes a difference. So I wanted to approach this it is well message today from a point of strength, if that's okay. From a point of, from a point of you know what, everything's okay around me. Because in that moment, if we can master our soul, our soul then, when the storm comes, it will be a lot easier for us. Earth-shattering disaster. If all of, a, all of a sudden an earth-shattering disaster hits your life and you have to start managing your soul then, you'll wish, why didn't I start managing it when things were a bit okay? Because the earth-shattering disaster is a really difficult moment to begin managing your soul. What we've done, that statement, it is well with my soul, we've actually turned that in our minds to mean, I feel happy right now. It is well with my soul does not mean I feel happy right now. You know what? Our feelings lie to us every day. Our feelings are the most shocking thing to base truth for your life on. You know, the biggest lie in our world today in 2019 is that it feels good, it feels right, therefore it is true. I want to tell you standing here today, just because it feels good doesn't mean it's true, healthy or great for you. The Big Mac takes, tastes great, I can assure you it does. <laughs> but it's not necessarily the thing that you want to base your stable diet upon. Is that all right? Just throwing that out there. Don't know where it came from. I'm preaching to myself. Thank you. <laughs> I feel happy right now. The other thing that's shocking is that our definition of happy is just all over the place. What is happy? What is happy? What makes you happy? Are you chasing financial independence? Then I'll be happy. Nothing bad going on right now. We can interpret that in our minds as nothing bad's going on right now, therefore I'm happy. It is well with my soul. And we've got totally mixed up on what this message means. Healthy. If I'm healthy, if I, if I could just get rid of that, that horrible feeling and I could be well this way and I'm not that way, then it will be well with my soul and I will feel happy right now. That's not what I'm talking about. It is well with my soul is a deep thing that happens in that place you can't describe and it makes you firm and stand through everything that's going on around you. I'm asking you this morning, is it well with your soul? Is it well with your soul? There's an amazing story in the Bible, and you can take it if you've got your Bibles here. Please, 2 Kings 4, 8 to 37. I'm not going to read it all because I don't want to take a lot of time. I want to finish this in 10 minutes' time. I really just want us to spend some time together today. But there's an amazing story about a woman, and she's called the Shunammite woman. Um, you can read that story while I'm, while I'm like paraphrasing what happened, but she made room for God's servant to come and stay at her house. Elisha was God's servant. He was God's prophet. And she made a space for Elisha to come. And she was getting older and her husband was old. And they were past the point of being able to have a son. And because they made room for the prophet to stay in their home, the prophet prophesied over them that in a year's time, I'll come back and you will have a son. And she had the son that she prophesied. 
But then some time elapsed, and that son that she had and raised and, and that, got, that had come true from that making room for the prophet and obeying him and believing in him and sowing into missions and all of those things. She had the son, the miracle son, but the miracle son died. Died. And um, all turmoil's going on, going on around this woman, the Shunammite woman. Everything's going wrong around her. People are panicking. People are saying, you need to go here. You need to go there. People are telling you, you know what you should do? You should do this. You should go here. You should go and do that. And you read the story. It's amazing. Loads of people telling her what to do. And to them, she said, it is well. She knew that the miracle son that she had, if the miracle could happen once, it could happen again. So while everyone around her outside is panicking and struggling and worrying and saying, you should go here and you should do that, you should get a donkey, you should go run there, you should do that. And she's got all of this. Um, Sarah doesn't like me saying you should or, or I should. I'm one of those people, right, that when you're on a journey or something and I see a pub on the left, I'm going, oh, we should stop on the pub. And Sarah's like, if she's driving, she'll carry on driving because we've got a plan. We've got a plan, but I'm a squirrel. I like, in the middle, I'm already squirreling now. So I'm kind of, I'm squirreling in my sermon already. So like I've squirreled off down a path. But anyway, I'm a squirrel. I'm like, let's, let's stop at that pub or let's do this. We went to the lavender farm in Hitchin and we're driving there. And there was, we saw about five different places yesterday. And I said, we should stop. And Sarah's like, you're stressing me out. I don't want to stop. I've got a plan. We're going to the lavender farm. You need to just stop. We, we, oh, we didn't stop anywhere. But, um, but this woman in that moment where she just said it is well. So I'm really telling you, next time I say stop at the pub, it is well. It is well. All right, so. <laughs> so anyway. All right. But it is well. It is well. But this woman's response in that moment when, when everyone's giving her advice, everything's going on, she just said it is well because she knew that her son was the miracle in the first place so just because she's dead he's the son's dead now doesn't mean that elisha cannot do the same miracle to bring him back to life i want to read you this um, so verse 23 there 2 kings 4 verse 23 so he said this is the husband um, why are you why are you going to him today is it neither that it's neither the, the new moon nor the sabbath and she said it is well an elderly husband, a dead son, and she just said, it is well. Then in verse 26 again, please run now and meet her. Somebody giving her advice and say to her, um, is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? These are the questions that they were sending someone to go and ask to this woman. Is it well with you? She's got a dead kid. No, it's, of course it's not well with her. Is it well with your husband? Well, he's old and he's got a dead kid too, so it's not well with her husband. Is it well with your child? No, he's dead. I mean, there's, there's no, these are the questions that were put to this woman and her response to all three of those questions was, it is well. Why? Because she knew the man that the miracle came through in the first place. The only way we know it is well with our soul while all turmoil is going around us is when we know the man himself. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Saviour, when turmoil hits around you and you recognise, do you know what, I've missed, I've, I'm lost, I don't know what's going on, that standing firm and saying it as well will elude you. You have to know Jesus Christ. We have to live for something bigger. This woman, she trusted 
that the God of miracles that gave her the son in the first place could do it again. The miracle happened. The miracle happened. Elisha saw the son raised and he was well again. What an amazing story that is. Let's not be drawn by other people's panic. Let's not be drawn by other people's feelings. It's amazing. It is well with my soul transcends happiness. We need to get any association of it as well with my soul and happiness and separate them as far as we can. Because when we chase happiness, we behave a certain way. But when we want it to be well with our soul, we behave a completely different way. So I encourage you today as we sing, we'll sing that hymn, It Is Well With My Soul at the end of this service. I want you to ask yourself, is it truly well with my soul? There's an amazing scripture here. Um, 3 John, if you want to take it, I'm going to, we're just going to read. I haven't got time to read it all and I'm not going to make all the points that I had. But um, can I see it on the screen? Is that okay? See where it begins. I'll read as much as I want to. So it's 3 John. It's a letter to a guy called Gaius who's got an amazingly great soul. And John wanted to encourage him and say, it was well with your soul. Well done, Gaius. So let's read it. To my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health and that all may go well with you, even as your soul is getting along well. I wanted to read the whole letter. We haven't got time. But in some versions it says, I pray that your, your soul will, your, yeah, your, that you will prosper as your soul prospers. It uses the word prosper. And, you know, I did some study about this and it's actually, you know, if you write a letter and you put, you begin the letter with, um, I hope, hope all is well with you, right? I hope, I hope this letter finds you well. Have you ever written? Like, we don't write letters much. We write emails and we're rude. We don't use, we don't even say hi half the time or dear, dear boss. No, we don't do it, do we? Just, it just, we just launch into what we want to moan about. But, but this letter began... This letter begin, begins with, like, um, I hope this letter finds you well. And in the time that this was written, this was a really popular greeting. In fact, they used to abbreviate it to just the first letters and people knew what it means. So, but the bit that was added here that isn't usually said is that he put, I, um, I know that it is well with your soul, uh, that you may be you may be in health. That's part of the original greeting. And then this was added, I know that it is well with your soul. This guy, he just wanted to encourage him and say, it's well with, my, with your soul. And the letter that goes on when you read it, there's some amazing stuff that this guy did that is evidence of a well soul. He, this Gaius, welcomed the missionary into his house. That's what they say in, in, in that. When you read John 3, they welcomed the missionary into the house. Like the Shunammite woman in the Old Testament there who welcomed Elijah into her house, this guy is getting praised by John saying, well done is well with your soul because of how you've treated the missionaries that I've sent your way. And that's what the letter's, letter's saying. So one of the evidences of a well soul this morning would be that you welcome in the stranger, that strangers aren't afraid of you, that actually strangers are drawn close to you. I know Sarah's message last week was called, um, it's not about you. But in the rest of that, it says that Gaius was well thought of by the community. People thought well of him. 
People thought he was great and he did well. And that's the, these are the evidences of a well soul. They spill out from your heart, from that deep place, and they spill out and touch the world around you so that people write letters about you and say, do you know what? He's well thought of. This is an amazing letter and I wish that you would read it. But you know, God starts his letter to us this morning with, I want you to prosper like your soul is prospering. That's what he says. That it is well with your soul like it is with your life. That he, God is not in heaven planning disaster for you. God, that's not the God that I know. There's a trend at the moment. You mentioned the word prosper in church and people slam you. You're about the prosperity gospel and all this jazz. But the God I know... The God that I know is not sitting there planning stuff for you that is going to be hard to get through, difficult to do. He's not planning failure for you. The God that I know is planning great stuff for you. And I'm not going to apologise. Everything that is good in this world comes from our Father in heaven. Everything good comes for Him. I'm not going to deny that. Not that we don't have challenges to go through. But even when we go through them, it is well with my soul. He's not planning. You know what? We think of God as like a big experiment. I know I'm going to make all these little mouses and I'm going to build a massive maze called life. I'm going to make it as difficult to get through as I can and I'm going to chuck all these mice at that maze and see how they get through life. That's not what God has done. When he created you, he had a plan. He had a purpose and he had a destiny for your life. He didn't do it by accident. He didn't make a mistake. And he was not making it so that you would have challenges through life. He's on your side. And he knows that you can say, it is well with your soul. How we approach it is well with my soul when we're at a point of strength. How our attitude is towards it is well with my soul when things are going great will set our ability to say it is well when happiness eludes us. It's not about me, it's all about you. When you have that victory, when you have that success, when you have that blessing, when that money hits your bank account, if your first thing to say is, look at me, look at what I've done, look at how great I am. If that's your soul's outworking in the good, when you hit the bad time, the crushing will be, gosh, what happened to me? Look how bad my life is. Look at all the difficult things I'm going through. But if when victory hits your life, if when something great happens, your first response is to give God praise and thank Him for the greatness that He's done. When that storm comes, when that storm comes, you'll be set to say, it is well with my soul. Everybody say it. It is well with my soul. It's not about me. It's all about you, God. What is the evidence of a well soul? This is the revelation I want to end on this morning. God really spoke this to me last night, just before I did it. I didn't know where to end or how to finish this series on it as well, but I wanted it to be um, a point of application. How can we apply it as well with my soul to my life? What is the evidence of a well soul? I think one of the evidence is that we don't make permanent decisions in temporary circumstances. You know what? That when turmoil is happening, it's a temporary turmoil. And like we build camp 
sometimes. The natural human nature is to go, I'm having turmoil, so I'll build camp. You may not be Bible study theologians here today. I'm certainly not one. But one thing I do know about the children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, when they were in the wilderness and when things wasn't going great, they'd been promised the promised land, but they weren't there yet. But those, those guys, while they were there, they never once built a home. They only pitched tents. They just pitched tents in the wilderness. How many of us build homes when we're going through that and we say, I'm going to stay here. This is my cancer. This is my problem. I'm going to own this. This belongs to me. And I'm going to build a house there. The children of Israel never built homes in the wilderness. They pitched tents only. And then they moved on and they eventually got to the promised land. One of the evidences, one of the evidences that it is well with your soul is that you won't make temporary circumstances your permanent home. I want to say this morning the importance of worship. If the team want to come back, the worship, worship is so important. You know, worship is three things to us. Um, It's a fruit of our lives. When you're cut, if worship comes out, we know your soul as well. If somebody upsets you and worship comes out, we know you're all right. There's actually nothing to worry about there. It's the diagnosis. It's the prevention. Because you know what? If bad things come and I'm going to worship, it's a prevention. And it's a cure. Because you know what? I've got my sickness, but I'm going to worship anyway. So worship is three things. It's a diagnosis. It's a, it's a, it's a prevention. And it's a cure. It's an amazing thing. You know, to manage our soul, God, God has given us the Spirit. We are spirit too. And I haven't got time to unpack this, but we're spirit people. We're not of this world. We're just passing through. This is not our future. God has an amazing future in heaven for us, an eternity. But we're spirit people. So we have the fruits of the spirit. In Galatians, there are some amazing fruits of the spirit. I'm going to list them. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. These are amazing fruits of the Spirit for your life. These are evidences, if you like. If the doctor was going to come and diagnose your soul, that place that we can't describe, and I had such a difficult time putting into words, if we were going to diagnose this, we'd go, well, how much love have you got? How much joy have you got? How much peace have you got? How much long-suffering are you? How much patience have you got? How much gentleness have you got? How much goodness have you got? How much faith and meekness? How much of those things have you got? Then we'll add it up and perhaps we can diagnose the state of your soul. This is the revelation this morning. This is the revelation this morning. You know what? That, those fruits of the Spirit, those fruits of the Spirit are also the prevention And they're also the cure. So when you draw close to the Spirit, when you understand that I'm a person of Spirit, when you walk in faith because you're a person of Spirit, when you say it is well with my soul, when all craziness is going on around you, when you operate in the Spirit that way, these things become things you can do to make your soul well. And the Spirit will help you do them. So love, if you're in the middle and you're saying, well, I don't know, my soul's not well this morning, begin to love. Begin to have more patience for the people around you. Begin to be long-suffering. Begin to show goodness and faith. Love is an amazing tool. Joy, 
How often if we say somebody's got no joy in their life, it's not well with your soul. When craziness going, God's plan is for you to have joy. You know, there's an amazing scripture in Peter that says um, that Jesus went to the cross for our joy. He actually suffered pain so that he could buy our joy. I want to tell you that. It's amazing. That is amazing. We need to have joy. So these things, when we look at the fruits of the Spirit, they're not just now the fruit that we have and the the evidence in our life or the diagnosis, if you will, the things that outwork in our life, but we can operate them too to manage the state of our soul. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faith. Man, operating faith moves God's hand. If you don't know how to start moving faith, maybe begin expectation. If you're that person that's putting the mask on and coming to church, it's meant to be soul food, but you know what? I'm using church to cover up what's going on in my soul. If that's you, expectation is the thing that sparks the journey of faith. Allow expectation to arise. I am going to go to church. I am going to put my fake face on, but you know what? I'm expecting God to do something at church this morning. I'm expecting God to show up. I'm expecting there to be something God will do. Meekness, kindness, temperance, self-control. My goodness, self-control is something you can do without knowing Jesus. Our world needs more self-control, doesn't it? If you watch the news, you go, why did that gunman just not have a bit of self-control about him? What was he doing? We can operate that. Yes, it's a fruit of the Spirit. Our Spirit controls that deep place. Our, our, the soul that I've been trying to describe is... we. What controls that in you? Is it your body or your mind that's controlling that soul? Or are you allowing the spirit to control your soul? Read that John, read that three John letter when you get home. Do a little Bible study on it and read about the spirit and the soul. I'm going to bring this into land. What an adventure it is to have a well soul. It's an adventure. Is it well with your soul? When you came in here today, was it well with your soul, really, as I've described it? I want, as the worship team lead us and we enter into worship, to use that worship time to assess, is it well with my soul? What am I standing on? What's controlling that deep place? I'm not going to wait on my friends to get with this. I need to get it well with my soul. I need to be able to say it. I'm not going to wait for my friends to catch up. I'm not going to wait for Com Church to catch me up. I'm not going to wait for church to catch you up. Let's not think that church is the be all and end all of everything. But I'm going to make sure that I can stand and say, like the Shunammite woman did, that I, it is well with my soul, even when craziness is happening. Don't go on the internet waiting for the next evangelist to come and tell you it is well with your soul. Don't bother with that. Now we decide that this adventure is mine and things will be well with my soul. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to contact us, please visit www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.